This is the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, the Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Welcome, weekend warriors of Michigan politics and government. Yes, of course, there was a huge amount of news this week about all the campaigns, national, statewide, and local, that are going on, and so many issues. But I really want to talk about something completely different, but it's very important. Township offices. We have a whopping 1,242 townships in Michigan. By the way, most people in Michigan live in townships, not in cities or villages. Does everybody out there in Radioland know that all township offices are on the ballot November 3rd? Statewide, how many are there anyway? Would you believe six? 1,562 township offices are on the ballot November 3rd. Think about it. We have 83 counties in Michigan, almost all of them within 16 townships apiece in each county. A few small counties have less. A few big ones have more. If you are a regular township in Michigan, you have five elected officials, supervisor, clerk, treasurer, and two trustees. There are about 1,070 regular townships in Michigan, and collectively they elect some 5,350 officials. But then there is something called a charter township. Usually those are our larger townships in population, and charter townships have seven members apiece. They have four trustees plus the supervisor, clerk, and treasurer. There are about 175 charter townships in Michigan, electing some 1,225 officials in the aggregate. So if you add them up, 5,350 regular townships plus 1,225 charter townships, you get the 6,562 officials I mentioned just a few seconds ago. Now, Michigan has a national record number of offices on the ballot this coming November 3rd. Over 11,000 are going to be on the ballot statewide. No state has more. You have everything from president, U.S. senator, 14 members of Congress, 110 state representatives, two Supreme Court justices, more than 200 other judges from the Court of Appeals, Circuit, Probate, and District levels. We also have eight members, two apiece, of the University of Michigan Board of Regents, the Michigan State University Board of Trustees, Wayne State University Board of Governors, and the State Board of Education. Plus, all of our countywide elected offices are on the ballot. Think prosecuting attorney, sheriff clerk and or register of deeds, treasurer, and in many cases, drain commissioners or water resources commissioners and county road commissioners. That's over 500 more offices. Plus, we have county commissioners on the ballot November 3rd, our elected legislative bodies 
in each of the state's 83 counties, more than 600 of them statewide. We even elect some library boards in a few counties. And get this, we elect over 1,000 school board members at the K-12 level statewide, kindergarten through 12th grade, this coming November 3rd. For instance, there's a hot race going on right now in TCAPS. That's Traverse City Area Public Schools. Seven candidates running for three spots on the local K-12 school board. Now, that's a whopping number of 11,000-plus offices at various levels to vote on in the general election. But remember what I said earlier. Townships constitute over half of that entire total, 6,562. So it's a safe bet that most township officials would prefer to run for the offices they hold on a nonpartisan basis. But state law makes that nearly impossible. State law makes them run as either Republicans or Democrats, although more than 100 no-party candidates, you could call them, or independents, have managed to sneak in somehow, sometimes as write-ins. So the fact is, more than two-thirds of all township officials are Republicans and have been consistently over time. That's unlikely to change much in the election on November 3rd, although a heavy vote for one party or the other at the top of the ticket, like president this year, governor two years ago, may increase the number of Democratic or Republican township officials in a particular election, although probably by not more than 1% or 2% statewide. So to sum up, nearly 70% of township officials throughout the state are Republican. Between a quarter and a third are Democrats, whereas independents or no party members of various township boards represent about 2.5%. Now, believe it or not, even in heavily Democratic Wayne County, think of Detroit. Now, that's not a township, it's a city. But the rest of the county is also Democratic. There are only seven more Democratic township officials than there are Republicans, a total of 35 compared with 28. Even in marginally Democratic Macomb County, the third biggest county in the state, more than two-thirds of all township officials are Republican. So quite understandably, the Michigan Townships Association the umbrella group that represents all these officials in lobbying state government in Lansing wants to minimize partisan differences between its various members so as to present a united front when lobbying for its interests. It wouldn't help for the townships to be viewed by state legislators as tilting towards one party or ideology or the other when seeking redress of grievances in either Lansing or Washington, D.C. So we're going to be talking to one township official running for election this year later in the program. But first, we're going to talk to someone running for one of those other obscure but important offices on the ballot in November, and that is a state education board. Remember what I said earlier. There are eight state education board members elected on November 3rd, two for the State Board of Education, which is the governing body 
by law and by the Constitution over higher education and kindergarten through 12th, edu- through 12th grade education in Michigan. We also have the University of Michigan Board of Regents. It's an eight-member board. They serve eight-year terms. They're staggered terms, so every two years, two of the eight members are up. Same thing for Michigan State University Board of Trustees, and the same thing for the Wayne State University Board of Governors. So a lot to talk about. I'll just mention the things this week that happened were the legislature and Governor Gretchen Whitmer actually agreed to something really important, passing a fiscal year 2020 to 21 budget. The start of the next fiscal year actually begins in just three to four days, October 1st. They have passed it. She will sign it. Just think, just a few months ago, we feared that major cuts would have to occur in our state's education budget. The outlook was bleak, but the Republican majority worked to ensure funding was maintained at the same levels as the current year. They prioritized what's most important to Michigan, which is our children. By spending efficiently throughout the rest of the state budget, they're able to ensure students will have all the resources they need to succeed. And the governor has agreed... And so the state is dedicating about $15.5 billion to K-12 schools in the budget year. I could go on with more, and there's a lot more happening in Michigan government this week. But we're going to be back in just a minute with our first guest. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we are most fortunate to have with us somebody who really knows a lot about what happened in Lansing this week, and it is Representative Scott Van Singel, a Republican of, I mean, I'm not even sure. I know it's Nuego County. Is it Grant? Is it Fremont? Scott I Van, live in Grant, Nuego County. Grant. Welcome to the Political Insider. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Well, now you represent Nuego County, Lake County, and Oceana County up there. You have a piece of Lake Michigan on your west coast, and it's kind of north. about 25 miles of shoreline there in Oceana County. Exactly. Now, you uh, are on the very important House Appropriations Committee, and you're on three committees. I'm just going to start out mentioning corrections, I believe, Natural Resources and Environmental Quality, and you're also on Licensing and Regulatory Affairs and Insurance and Financial Services. Is that right? Right, and then Chairman of the Higher Ed Budget. Yeah, well, you are Chairman of the most important higher education subcommittee of the House Appropriations Committee, and boy, uh, you guys uh, passed a budget for next year, Um beginning October 1st, just a few days away, extending through September 30th of next year. And when it comes to higher education, they have been a beleaguered entity for years and decades. They have lost funding from the state over time. Uh, When I was in the legislature back in the Paleolithic era, uh, higher education got a lot more of their funding from state government than they do today. What happened this week, and where are you in the process of appropriations for higher education compared to the past and looking forward? 
Yeah, normally our goal would be to have the budget done in June since uh, the K-12 through districts and the uh, universities start their fiscal year July 1st. And this year that didn't happen again. And it really wasn't a bad deal that it didn't because uh, when our August revenue estimating conference came in, we realized uh, things weren't quite as dire as what we thought. Uh, had we put a budget together in June, we would have gone back and redone the whole thing because we were about $2 billion off uh, as far as our projections. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was uh, good news. Uh, yeah. But uh, as chairman of that committee, I was nervous. Uh, there's just a lot of things you can't cut out of the budget. We can't stop paying debt. Uh, we really can't cut much out of the corrections budget. And, you know, those are your uh, general fund dollars. Uh, and so you get down to it. There's not a much, not much left. And the higher education budget always has a bullseye on it because it's mostly general fund dollars and uh, uh, about a billion and a half dollars uh, in the higher ed and about 400 in community colleges. So uh, I, I was pretty nervous uh, looking at uh, you know needing about two billion dollars uh, in the budget. That's my entire budget. Wow. And. Uh, so we weren't sure what was going to happen. And then uh, when we got that new revenue estimating conference in August, uh, we were pleasantly surprised. And when the budgets came out this week, uh, we realized uh, we don't need to make any cuts. And uh, uh, I've never heard the university say thank you for not giving us an increase this year. <laughs> they were essentially held hold to last year's numbers. And uh, I, I thought that was a big win compared to where we thought we were going to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last spring, you must have been like almost in a panic mode uh, at the bleak fiscal picture confronting you. Yeah, and not just in higher ed. Uh, we have, uh, there's quite a few other functions of government as far as uh, road funding, state police, uh, education, and everything was on the table. Uh, we were back into survival mode. Uh, we could have wiped out our entire uh, rainy day fund and only covered a fraction of the deficit we were facing just for one year. And we were facing a deficit for the current year and the next year and the next year. And, uh, and we're still not out of the woods. We're looking at probably a little over a billion dollars for the following fiscal year. Uh, I would have preferred to have made some of those cuts this year and rolled them forward uh, so we'd have a little bit easier task going into the next year. But uh, uh, that didn't happen. Uh, this was a negotiation with the House, Senate, and Governor. And uh, you don't get everything you want when you negotiate, but uh, we had a pretty good final product in the end. Well, now you say you're nervous about uh, the next fiscal year, which would be 2022, and you think it looks like a shortfall there, but you thought this last spring about this coming fiscal year's seeming deficit, and it didn't happen uh, because of the increased revenue that showed up unexpectedly uh, in August. So maybe it's not going to be so bad in a year or so. What do you think? We're hoping for that. The, but what would have to happen is uh, additional federal stimulus. Uh, there's not uh, that many more sectors of the economy to reopen. Uh, you know, there, there's still a lot of economic activity that's not going on that was six months ago. But uh, uh, really, a lot of that revenue windfall came from the federal stimulus. We had about $43 billion pumped into the state. And what happened is people went out and spent that. And it, so it went through the income tax and the sales tax formula. And uh, we ended up with uh, roughly $2 billion in additional revenue. And that's not a very efficient way to uh, uh, fill your, your state budget. But, uh, you know, look at that's about a 5% return on investment there. But uh, 
uh, that would happen have to happen again to, to plug another billion dollar gap in the budget. And it's when you listen to the talks out of Washington, that's not likely going to happen. And I really wouldn't argue that it should happen. Uh, we've just added another four trillion dollars to the debt in a matter of a few months. I, I think we need to stop digging and uh, make some tough choices here at the state level. Yeah. So uh, when you got the extra revenue unexpectedly in August, it was almost entirely, you're saying, as a result of what the federal government did. And that's probably a one-off. I mean, we hope it is uh, that more help won't be needed from Washington, D.C. in the future. And you can't count on it, right? Right. And and I think Michigan will figure out how to survive. But I I was just on a call before this where uh, I was told that New York was looking at an $18 billion deficit. We're looking at a $1 billion deficit uh, a year from now. So we can figure it out. But when you start getting into numbers that size, uh, it gets a lot harder. And I really don't want to be subsidizing some of those other states. Uh, Those federal dollars are our tax dollars. Uh, we can figure it out on our own in Michigan at this point. Yeah, well, getting away from the magnitude of finances available or not, uh, what do you hear from higher education in general? You say they're grateful they weren't cut this coming year as they thought they would be. It looked like last spring. But, I mean, what do they uh, tell you or, you know, agitate? for, jawbone for, when they come before your committee and ask for dollars and point out that they're not getting the level of support from state government that they got back in the day, back when your uncle, by the way, Don Van Single, was in the House for, I think, 20 years, and he was the number two Republican in the House. He went through uh, some tough times, but not as tough as uh, what you've gone through in this past nine months. Yeah, well, if you look back with higher education and go back uh, 30 years or so, about 70% of their funding came from the state and about 30% was tuition. At this point, we're down to about 20% of their revenue comes from the state and 80% tuition. Wow. And uh, if you go back about 20 years, we're just getting to the funding levels in nominal dollars uh, that the universities got around the year 2000. That's amazing. Yeah, listen. I want to keep going. We're just getting started, but we're out of time. But you've done a great job of giving us an overview of what you as an appropriator in the legislature faced this year and how well you came out of it. Thank you, Scott Van Single, state representative from the 100th House District, Nuevo County. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Bill. We'll be back in a minute. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we have somebody on the line who has a lot of experience in state government. He was a three-term state representative. Uh, He's dealt with Wayne County on various issues. He is John Stewart. He is a Republican in Plymouth in northwestern Wayne County, and he's running for Plymouth Township trustee. Welcome to the Political Insider, John C. Stewart. Well, I can't thank you enough for uh, choosing me to uh, to represent the, uh, the townships. And uh, you know I'm in a unique position here in Wayne County. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
not not many uh, <clears throat> Republicans, you know, getting elected uh, in Wayne County in general. Although at the township level, you guys uh, have fared a little bit better than I think most people outstate realize. I mean, isn't the Plymouth Township Board like all Republican now? Yes, it is. And it, and it appears that people like their local government to be run by fiscally responsible uh, Republicans. And uh, I'm very thankful for that because, Bill, you, you caught uh, this 70-year-old who took advantage of the weather and I have knocked on over 1,000 doors in the past week wow. and a half. And I have listened to the stories, and uh, people are polarized, and people are focused on the presidential election. But thank goodness for me, uh, and you have also pointed out, Bill, that not one stitch of land in Wayne County, every state rep and every state senator in Wayne County uh, is represented by a Democrat. So um, I had to get out there and reinforce the fact that I was the only state rep endorsed by Governor Milliken, as you were, uh, many decades ago uh, as a, a moderate Republican from East Lansing. But uh, I, I'm glad that I, the weather just held out, and, and I went door to door and knocked on over 1,000 doors in the past week and a half. That is really amazing. Um, I mentioned earlier in the program that Township uh, candidates don't have the privilege uh, of running as nonpartisans without party affiliation, and yet I think probably a lot of them wish they could, but state law will not allow them to do that. It says you've got to pick a ticket, Democrat, Republican, Green Party, whatever, uh, and almost all our officials statewide are Republicans or Democrats, only about 2.5% are no party or independent, and in your township, you know, as you say, probably uh, you've got a lot of people there who are Democrats, but they uh, feel comfortable with a so-called moderate Republican, a more centrist Republican. Uh, I think next door, Canton Township, aren't they a Democratic uh, township board? Yes, Canton has, uh, has, has become a, a very Democratic area. But back to the heart of the issue that you're talking about, people want their local government to keep them safe. So they're looking for efficient police and fire services, trash pickup, uh, recreation. Um, they want uh, the opportunity. My wife is hosting a Michigan Philharmonic concert, socially distanced and there are going to be 100 people only there with masks on tomorrow afternoon at a home, a large home, where we can park all the cars on the, on the grass uh, tomorrow afternoon. So people are looking for a safe uh, environment. And uh, if that means that you have an efficient local Republican board, they're, they're happy with that. And, of course, to keep taxes down. Uh, the, the statewide issues and the national uh, presidential race, they, they, that, that's been separated. And it also appeals to what you've talked about before, that historically, I'm not sure yet this year, but historically Michigan had no problem being, with being ticket splitters. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people just do not realize, I mean, all the glamour and the attention – 
attendant to and focused on president, governor, everything else. I mean, township office is where the rubber hits the road. I mean, you as a township official and as township officers probably have more to do with the quality of life in Plymouth Township than any other level of government. Wouldn't you say that? Oh, exactly. And uh, we are the ones who, who provide your, your police, fire, and, and the communications. And we've had peaceful prep, protests, very peaceful protests, respectful, in downtown Plymouth uh, at uh, Kellogg Park. And, uh, but we have not had any of the crime or violence or any of the property destruction whatsoever. And I, I'm, you know, I, we want to keep it that way. But, uh, but the library is slowly opening up. Uh, recreation facilities are slowly opening up. And um, people are out walking. I mean, this weather we have been so blessed with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm looking at your campaign flyer here, which I got a hold of, and I noticed uh, some of your bullet point uh, objectives and goals running for township trustee in Plymouth Township is like returning us to fiscal stability and integrity. Now, let me ask you, you say returning us. Does that imply there's been some instability (laughs) fiscally in in Plymouth Township and you guys want to make it better or what? Well, not in Plymouth Township. I would have to uh, credit uh, our uh, treasurer, Mark Clinton, and our supervisor, former state rep, Kurt Heisey, Uh, I put out a a mailing that said we have provided stable leadership in unstable times. But until this week, we did not know what the state budget was going to be, which goes into effect next Thursday, October 1. And we were being threatened with uh, cuts in revenue sharing. We were wondering about all the money uh, uh, from the federal government for COVID-19. Where was that going to go? And... uh, we just we were everything was unsure in the environment that we were around. But uh, frankly, uh, Plymouth Township uh, and I'm not on the board at, as of this week. Uh, and township offices do take uh, effect. Uh, we were sworn into office in uh, the middle of November. So, uh, but Plymouth Township has been very stable, and and financially we're we're, we're extremely fortunate in uh, this part of Western Wayne County. And um, it, but I, I do foresee some some ticket splitters here. There's no question about that. Well, let me ask you, uh, your supervisor, Kurt Heisey, former state rep, as you mentioned, uh, he's running for reelection. Uh, your treasurer is running for reelection. Your clerk is running for reelection. Then I'm looking at your literature here. It looks like you've got a Hall of Fame uh, slate here. <laughs> of four people running for trustee, and two of them, it looks to me, are uh, incumbents. Bob uh, Doroshevitz is a four-term trustee, and Chuck Kermy is a five-term trustee, and then you and Audrey Monahan um, are running as non-incumbents for two open seats, so there are four to be elected, and everybody runs in a pack, right? I mean, all four of you, and then maybe there's some Democrats or Green Party, you tell me, uh, and the top four finishers are elected, right? That's correct. Well, very, very candidly, Kurt Heisey wisely uh, looked to the community 
And he put that, I'll, I'll use the word team. He, because I have attended every township board meeting the last three years, and I'm the only candidate other than the non-incumbent, other than the, who are the incumbent trustees. I'm the only candidate who's attended board meetings for the last three years. And, and Plymouth Township, uh, we are enlightened Republicans. I know that gives you a, a, a little bit of a laugh and a kick. We are not Neanderthal, knee-jerk, Tea Party Republicans. <laughs> We are enlightened, as uh, our your mentor and mine, former Governor Milliken, used to say, we need more enlightened Republicans. And uh, we're aware of the fact that we're here in Wayne County, and uh, Kurt's also a lawyer, and uh, we've got a court in Detroit. So, Yeah, absolutely. Look, we got to take a quick break, but we're going to come back with you, John Stewart, former three-term state representative, and... Candidate for Plymouth Township trustee this year, November 3rd. We'll be back in a minute. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned with John C. Stewart, and he is an attorney in private practice in the city of Plymouth, and he is running for Plymouth Township trustees, a former three-term state representative. We were talking when we took a break uh, about people running for the board on November 3rd. You have three uh, fellow candidates running as a team, Audrey Monahan, Bob Doroshevitz, and Chuck Kermy, or Doroshevitz, I should pronounce it, I think, uh, running as a team. And then there are maybe other candidates. And let me ask you, if there are Democrats, what do they say are the issues in Plymouth Township that are maybe not being addressed by the current board as well as it should be, or that they think they can do a better job tackling uh, after November 3rd, if they could get elected? I mean, what do they say? Or is it all a name ID thing and all dependent on what happens at the top of the ticket and nobody says anything? Uh, other than just going around and shaking hands and getting their names known? Well, the facts are there were no Democrats on the ballot in Plymouth Township uh, on August 4 for the primary. They had to get a number of signatures to be written in in order to get on the ballot. Um, They happened, this is a sensitive issue, um, they happened to be all women. And uh, who have not attended one board of trustees meeting for Plymouth Township? Um, they have. Uh, are they running run- as a team? Yes, they are. So what do they so, say? What What do they say? They their team against your team. What's the difference? Well, they really have not defined or criticized any issues uh, for the recent millage we had two years ago. Uh, Rebuilding the police department, rebuilding the fire department. Uh, I mean, we've purchased uh, new fire trucks with a ladder extension for our uh, economic development here. We are now the home of Bosch, Rivian, which has taken over the, the old Burroughs building, and Lock Performance, and, and Wabasto. They make, um, and they're trying, they're desperately trying to hire 700 new employees to make uh, car roofs and uh, rooftops. So, I mean, we're, we've got 
uh, a very positive economic development story to tell here. And I really haven't heard any criticism from uh, the team of women, uh, the, the slate of women. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's led by one disgruntled employee who was rejected at the polls, uh, the former clerk. And, um, you know, they, they beefed up the, the staffing. I mean, I, I, I've already said, I've even frankly told Kurt Heisey he's a far better administrator than he was a state legislator. I, <laughs> I had hoped that he would have been a little more moderate like you and I. But uh, he was, uh, but he was uh, in line with Governor Schneider for his six years, and uh, we've all seen now the the real Governor Schneider, uh, who has now endorsed uh, uh, the Democrat for president. But um, no, Kurt has been a, a, a wonderful administrator, and and there really aren't any. Uh, I haven't heard any complaints. Okay, well let me let me ask you this. Uh, let's give people listening a sense of, of the size of Plymouth Township. You've got a population of around thirty thousand. Is that right? Correct. And and you surround the city of Plymouth, and that's got what ten thousand? Correct. Okay, but you are not responsible for the city. You're just the township surrounding the city, right? Correct. And then west of you, you got Northville Township, and they have the little yes. city of Northville and. Northville Township is what about the same size as Plymouth Township? Yes. Are are they Republican board too? Or are they split between the parties? No, they're 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 straight Republican. They're board Republican. Too. South of yes. you is Canton, as you said. They are a Democratic board. They are a much bigger county. They got like ninety thousand people. Uh, excuse That's correct. Me, bigger township. And right, and and they have a uh, a Republican uh, supervisor there, and he may be reelected. Uh, he does have a strong opponent, but uh, the supervisor there is Pat Williams, and his Democrat opponent uh, is a very capable lady named Anne-Marie Hudak. But Canton has been trending uh, Democrat, and they, they operate on a slate basis. But, there's a, there's, but the voters of Canton seem to like a balance, too, uh, with a Republican supervisor and then several trustees down there that are, are excellent. John uh, Anthony is one of them, former FBI agent. Uh, he is uh, liked across the board in Canton. He's but a we Republican. We have well-run local government here. Yeah. So he he is a Republican too. The yes. Bo- okay. So they got a mix. Well, I mean, it, it, again, it's what you're talking about. It, it's either balanced between Republicans and Democrats, or if you're a Republican, you better be a, a so-called moderate Republican, not somebody who's maybe too conservative for the community, right? And then you've got what? To the east of you is Livonia? Yes. Okay, and they're they're mixed. Uh, they have been Republican in the past, but they've now got a Democratic mayor, as I yes. understand it. Yeah. So, well, <clears throat> let me ask you, uh, is, is there a burning issue like fire station number two reopened? You want to get it reopened. Why did it close? Well, it was budget cuts. And and uh, the the fiscal solvency, and that was also on the north end of the the township where I've been living for 36 years in Lake Point subdivision. And the three precincts surrounding there are the highest voting number of precincts. And uh, we wanted to make sure that there was at least one fireman there or two firemen there and a truck there for services to the north end of Plymouth Township, which borders on on Northville Township. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, the budget cuts you talk about, were they made like last year before COVID-19 hit? Uh, or is the 
fiscal challenge you face right now, the result of the coronavirus this year, just the last six, seven months? Well, uh, I would say the budget cuts in the township, were they, they go back six years. And, and that was when they were cutting some, some revenue sharing. Um, At the, the state level, you mean the, the, the state The most recent was... news, to bring your, your listeners up to date, I mean, I have to admit that there, there's, gonna, there's not going to be any cuts to uh, not only school aid, K-12 funding, but to revenue sharing to local units of government. The new state budget, which uh, I, my old uh, colleague, uh, I want to give him credit, Chris Kolb, the budget director from Ann Arbor, seems to work pretty well with state uh, majority uh, Senate leader Mike Shirky. And they worked out a framework on a state budget, which goes into effect this Thursday. And there's very few cuts there. So, I mean, we're we're uh, we're breathing a sigh of relief and we're going onward and forward. Right. Absolutely. Uh, A lot of that, I think, is the result of the federal stimulus money that came as a result of. COVID-19, Washington Road to the Rescue. I had, just before you, Representative Scott Van Singel on the phone. He is, by the way, chairman of, I think, the committee you were the chairman of, right, higher ed? Yes. Yeah, well, he's chairman, and we talked about higher ed funding and the budget that they just passed this week. It's kind of remarkable that, you know, as you say, you had to go through budget cuts the last six years because of revenue-sharing money cuts from the state. I mean, you were depending on the state to give you support that you weren't getting, and so you had to make cuts. Now, all of a sudden, even in this year of coronavirus, it looks like this next year's budget that they passed is actually going to put you and the state in better shape than it was a year ago or two years ago, right? Well, right. And, and Bill, I know you're from the mid-Michigan area, and I reflect southeast Michigan and Wayne County. We have had an uptick in home property values, and that has generated more local tax revenue. We're seeing housing and auto sales continuing to uh, rise, and, and that's such a blessing for southeast Michigan because we're so dependent on the auto industry. And... Uh, I've mentioned to you that if I see you back in Plymouth, I'm going to take you over to Rivian where they're making electric platforms for buses. And Ford Motor has uh, collaborated with uh, Rivian Automotive over there. And they work, I shouldn't say this, but they, they work right through the pandemic and very quietly and, and effectively and, and in a safe manner. But, uh, no, our economy is is doing well here, and we've had a local uptick in in, uh, property tax revenues here because of property values. Wow. Now, one— I mean, Kurt Heisey has been able to work on issues like sidewalk repair, road repair, bringing in Warren Evans and Wayne County and telling them he had to come out here to western Wayne County and uh, repave the roads. (laughs) Well, listen, I want to keep talking— to you about Plymouth Township because you got a lot of exciting stuff going on down there. And as you say, surprisingly, it looks like the future is brighter now than it was six months or a year or two years or six years ago. So good luck to you on November 3rd, John Stewart, for being our guest, three-term state representative uh, back in the early 21st century, now making a comeback. Uh, on November 3rd, candidate for trustee of Plymouth Township. Thank you, John Stewart. Okay, thank you, Bill. We'll be back next week with still more.